everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. The sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king Peace on earth and mercy Mild God and sinners reconciled Merry Christmas! It's the Christmas season! Yay! Welcome to a series of Christmas episodes that we are going to be bringing to you from the Sound of Sanity. We are going to hopefully figure out how to stay sane during the holiday season, the ruckus of the holiday season. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, and we're going to be talking all the way through December 25th. Every episode is going to be Christmas-themed. So if you're a Grinch, then I guess we'll see you come the episode after December 25th. But maybe if you're a Grinch, you want to listen to these so, you know, we can find the the true meaning of Christmas. Will the true meaning of Christmas appear on Sound of Sanity? Or will we say Christmas is just a commercialized holiday for broken, idolatrous people? Oh, Siri's actually telling me about Christmas right now. I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, me neither, Siri. Me neither. That's why we're doing these episodes. So, I'm Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host. We're joined by the pastor who's master of everything that his hand undertakes. He's Jacob Mensel. How you doing, Nathan? Doing well. And we've got the, our beloved uh, sound engineer and assistant guy there, Benjamin Solzer. <laughs> How you up, doing, Nathan? Ben? I'm good. Merry How are Christmas you? season. Merry Christmas um, season. <laughs> today, we're going to start by talking about Christmas traditions. Are they a good tool or a terrible master? Specifically, what we're talking about today more sacred Christmas traditions as opposed to, you know, we're not talking about pulling out the Bing Crosby and the tinsel. We're talking about the Advent calendar and the scripture readings and going to church on, you know, all that, all the stuff that we do to give weight and meaning to Christmas as Christians. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot bound up in the... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. There's a lot bound up in the question of, of traditions going back to... I mean, we have Christmas traditions that go way back, and some of them are peculiar to America. 
and some are peculiar to the 20th and 21st century, and some of them are rooted in the Roman Catholic Church. Some and, might be peculiar to Roman pagan religious festivals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so are, are Chris, Christmas traditions something that can be used in service of God, or are they uh, a conscience-binding thing Truth that we subordinating. got— thing that we got handed down to us from the papists. We're yeah, just at, so, sort of like Christmas is one time of the year where we'll give ourselves free passes to be closet papists. Right. We're, we're, we're All of Christmas traditions are under our purview, but I think next week we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, what, what would you um, say, the American uh, Walmart, the, the tinsel, the lights, the big yeah, Crosby. Yeah, 20th century Americana. Right. Today we're talking a little bit more about, for lack of a better word, the sacred traditions, the Advent calendar, the things that we do to make Christmas special and to point it towards, to remind us of the reason for the season. There's a lot of things that we do, and are they good? Are they bad? Are they helpful? Should we be doing anything special? Is it, do we really need a special day? Especially when the special day is connected to Walmart and all that, but we're going to be getting more into that next week. This week, we're just uh, very simply asking the question of, are Christmas traditions good? Are they helpful? Even the most sacred and uh, reason for the season-y traditions, are they a weird pressure? Do they bind men's consciences? A lot of interesting questions that you may be very angsty about or maybe you've never thought about and we're about to open up a can of worms a can, can of, of tinsel a can of christmas worms garland is the word that you're looking for <laughs> garland a fun christmas fact about you ben you love the advent you love tradition you like to celebrate the christmas yes yeah. Jake, you like you just, uh, we'll hear about Jake's Christmas baggage later, but Ben, you like to celebrate Advent. Tell us about some of the ways that you like to celebrate Advent, the great Christmas traditions that you have in your life. Well, there's all kinds of things. One is I like to have a little Advent cleaning calendar I make. Where each, Advent. Yeah, each each day of of December, I'm like, oh, well, I sweep out the right corner of the south bedroom today. Yes, all right, <laughs> great. It's just the way that you know Christmas season is about new life about the cleansing yep, yep. and so you just clean the house little by little and six then I... feather dusters <laughs> barkeeper's friend <laughs> yeah right and then when I've you know swept my little corner or scrubbed the wall or whatever it is however many hours it takes I'd celebrate by having a having a little draught of whiskey a little my, draught <laughs> from my from my 10,000 pound Scottish whiskey calendar. Your 10,000 pound Scottish <laughs> this calendar weighs 10,000 pounds or it costs 10,000 uh, British costs, pounds it or it costs 10,000 pounds which what is what is that in USD? I why can't I, I don't remember the exchange rate now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did I pay for this we thing? We expect you to know the pounds? exchange rate. Well, I, you know, once once you buy it, once you have it, you're drinking the whiskey, you're not you're not thinking about the exchange rate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that. You're just thinking about the exchange rate of your problems for <laughs> sweet forgetfulness. That's uh, that's a Right. So, so Ben, he's a good Christian. 13, he's a reformed 000. gentleman. He likes to drink the whiskey as as 15? every thirteen. Thirteen. Thirteen thousand US dollars. Thirteen thousand US dollars. Rare Scottish whiskey. I mean, who's gonna argue with, with that? However many little bottles did I get? Twenty four. <laughs> Twenty four little thirty milliliter. Thirty drams. milliliters. So you take a dram every day leading up to Christmas? That's I, amazing. I, I fail to see the connection to the great holiday of Christmas. Well it's, it brings me uh cheer. <laughs> <laughs> what are you listening to? Throughout Advent. What am I listening to throughout yeah, Advent? Yeah, while you're drinking your, cleaning your corners uh, of your rooms it, and... Uh, it, it really, it really depends. Your... Sometimes I like to just stare at the, the wall, the clean wall that mm-hmm. I just cleaned. So 
I drink my whiskey and in total silence. Yeah, I do. I like so really, the way that you then, keep that particular aspect of it is a lot like how you keep uh, uh, the great holiday of Halloween. Well, except one was broccoli mm-hmm. and one's whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I say t- Christmas wins. <laughs> Hurrah for Christmas! <laughs> Hurrah Best for Christmas. day of the year. <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, well, it is, it is, it is fun, uh, folks. We've learned Ben, he's a terrible alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're tiny little whiskey bottles. Tiny little whiskey yeah, bottles. Yeah, well, yeah, you're yeah. also, a uh, fun fact about Ben, he's a tiny little dude. How much, <laughs> how much uh, of a whiskey does it take for you to enjoy the magical holiday of Christmas? I don't really require that much whiskey. <clears throat> Sometimes I find that <laughs> even the idea of whiskey <laughs> makes me a little, feel a little, a little changed inside oh. <laughs> a That's little what, gleeful a little gleeful so yeah. you just you, you sit you stare at the wall and you think about whiskey i do a healthy I christmas do. tradition if ever i heard of one <laughs> and that was fun christmas facts <laughs> that's what that was about ben well guys what 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 kind of baggage do you guys bring to Christmas. I'll tell you about my baggage. We're talking about the advent calendar and the scripture readings and going to church. For me, as a kid, I remember that stuff all being a drag. Like, oh, instead of opening our presents, we have to go to a awkward church service uh, Christmas night and uh, probably get like candle wax on my vest. Oh, especially what I remember is we did the advent calendar, which in our case was little felt pieces that you would put up. And it would we'd usually start out strong, and then you know life would happen, things would happen, people would have things they needed to go to in the evening. About I, I want to say a week in, we'd miss some days, and then it would become a hassle. And then like after dinner, we'd have to do two days. So is that tied to a devotion then? Or yeah, 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 you read a little devotional. You had a different page of like these different little felt pieces that you put gotcha, put together. Yeah. This kind of thing. So, you know, ideally you're doing like a 10-minute thing, like usually for us it was after dinner every day leading up to Christmas. But I just remember that being pressure. I remember it being fights. I remember it being, oh, great. We know at the end of dinner we're going to have to do this, you know, spiritual time that's going to be kind of boring and lame. I just, and this is, this is, by the way, not throwing my parents under the bus, it's throwing me under the bus. I was just a bratty little kid that didn't want to care about any of this stuff. I, I can't look back on it with any kind of, uh, I can only see it through my own. Yeah. yeah, I can't be objective about it. I don't actually know whether my parents did a good job or not. All I know is that it was boring, it was lame, and it felt like kind of a waste of time. And then on Christmas Day, there were certain things like, oh, you know, it's Christmas Day, it's a holy day, we, you know, we shouldn't play video games today, so we can't actually use our presents. Oh, it's Christmas morning, we've got to do the scripture reading and pay lip service to the true meaning of Christmas before we can open our presents. So again, I may just be describing the fact that I was a nasty, sinful little boy that wanted to open presents, but basically what I remember, for better or for worse, for worse, I guess, is that the whole sacred element of Christmas felt like a distraction and a drag and boring and lame. (laughs) That's my baggage. And I think uh, were I ever to be blessed with young progeny, progeny, prodigy, progeny, progeny, progeny of my own, where I'd have a wife and were her womb to be fruitful 
and we were to have little kids, I think my instinct would be to be very careful about not wanting that stuff to be oppressive, not want, you know, wanting to make sure that Christmas was fun, wanting to make sure that they understood the reason for the season. And, you know, we'd go to church on Christmas Eve or whatever, you know, we'd want to do all the things, but I'd also just want to be real careful that no one is mistaking the things of God for boring and a drag. And part of that would be, you know, if the kids being kids really, really want to get to those presents, let's not oppress them with Bible readings. You know, let's let's come mm-hmm. back and make sure they understand the meaning of Christmas and let's read the Bible and let's make sure that their eyes are on the things of God. But one of the ways to do that would maybe be to be a little bit pragmatic about it. I don't know. I'm not a parent. Don't have any, don't have a wife with no fruitful womb in a wife uh, currently, current status, single. I can. That's that's how I imagine I would feel about it, based on my my mm-hmm. Christmas baggage, my Santa Claus bag of of angst and pain from the 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 holidays of yore. That's how I felt about it. Ben, how did you feel about the old the the, the Christmas traditions? Ah, uh, we had advent calendars. We had a little mouse that we moved into pockets, and then we had a little tree that we put ornaments on. There might have been something else, like a little chocolate calendar. A little mouse that you moved into pockets yes. is not a very good descriptive <laughs> sentence at all. <laughs> it's not a very good sentence? Is that what you said? That's a fun, it's a wonderful sentence. Oh, but good. Okay. All right. I'm trying to figure out what that sentence was intended to express. Uh, it's just one of the traditions we had, just a little thing, you know? Like a little, a little ornament mouse, or yeah, yeah, he's a little no, a little felt mouse in a in a cloth calendar. We mm-hmm. pull him out every year, and it would be my turn to move the ho- the mouse one day, and then it'd be my sister's turn the next day. Is the mouse the countdown? <clears throat> it's just a countdown. So this mouse wants to make it to December twenty fifth. Yeah, very much, very much. He's a very and we liked to move the mouse. Okay, yeah. Then it, we would do like like you did after dinner, ten fifteen minutes of Advent devotions. We'd light the candles, sing together as a family. If that's the kind of thing you're talking about. Sure, yeah. And uh, do a little scripture reading. And were you, like me, a nasty little boy that hated all that and just wanted to get to the presents and be released from dinner so you could go play and not think about all this this, this, uh, spiritual Christmassy stuff? Is that... Uh, uh, I'm sure I'm just, like, pretty representative of how everyone feels. You know, (laughs) people are sinners, you know. Right. Right? Well, yes, but I... I probably felt that way sometimes, but other times, what I remember is at least kind of liking that. I liked having that tradition. I liked, hey, we pull out these candles once a year, and we sit down as a family and read scripture like this once a year, and we sing Christmas carols, and I liked singing Christmas carols together, and I liked the whole build-up, and I liked listening to lots and lots and lots of choral Christmas music, which is what my mom would always put on, the Robert Shaw Chorale, Benjamin Britten's Ceremony of Carols, all kinds of things. The home would just be filled with nativities and wreaths and Christmas music and a feeling of anticipation, and I really enjoyed it. I don't remember resenting it, although there were, there, you know, there came about family issues that made it less enjoyable in yep. later years, but I have mostly fond associations with that stuff. Yeah. Well, what I should say is I remember actually spiritualizing my hatred of that stuff at a certain point when I became a teenager. What I think I did in my head is, well, I still don't really want to sit here for these boring devotions and stuff. But what I'm going to say is Christmas is actually a commercial enterprise and we mm-hmm. should probably enjoy it as such. You know, God has given us things, da, da, da. So let's let's celebrate Jesus as the reason for all seasons, all the time. Let's not bore ourselves with 
a bunch of extra work-spaced, you know, kind of acts of righteousness that we have to do around Christmas time. It's probably what I would have said. And by the end of the episode, well, maybe we'll figure out whether I was just being a brat or not. But <laughs> so you got Ben. He's the he's the good boy. He likes to listen to his choral music and sing. Ave Maria. <laughs> and <laughs> not true. <laughs> <laughs> Completely true. One hundred percent true. You've got me, and I'm like presents. Yeah. <laughs> I like presents. Yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake, where do you fall in this uh, spectrum? We had all kinds of Christmas traditions, and they were kind of like taken from here and there. But uh, so we had the Christmas tree, the family Christmas tree in the living room, and we would decorate that together. Then each of my brothers and I had our own individual Christmas tree with our own individual ornaments, and we'd get you know new ornaments every year. I seem to remember that you know doing like a daily Advent thing uh, from time to time, but never on the order of it being tied to a devotional. It'd be like we all there'd be a thing, and we'd all get a piece of candy, or there'd be an ornament that we'd pull off the board or whatever and hang on the tree, and that was it was just sort of like a fun daily countdown thing. So it was never a uh, anything but a fun thing that we all look forward to doing. And then there was uh, uh, the build-up to the Christmas Eve service, candlelight service, which is really warm and sweet. And then there was the family drama that was around that. I'm I'm describing my dad's house growing up, I'm not describing uh, my mom's house. We'd set up the tree there too, and that would be a thing. And there'd always be Christmas music blazing, but it was not Ben's choral music. It was more <laughs> the, like Mariah Carey's Christmas or Boyz II Men Christmas or some of the older, you know, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, mm-hmm. that kind of kind of thing. But yeah, Mariah Carey was definitely all over our house growing up. And so... And you like me, I'm sure, because once again, I'm assuming that what I experienced is completely representative of every sinful human being to have lived Christmas. You were you probably felt really cynical about all of it, and you understood that man is depraved, and all these traditions are just us tinseling over the darkness, and you probably hated it. You spat it all out of your mouth, just, just like I did, right? Uh... No. Crap. <laughs> I enjoyed it and I thought it was fun and I sort of bought into the reason for the season. Now, when I when I about my senior year of high school when I started really turning to God, what I did do was react. What I saw in the Christmas traditions and the crass commercialization of it was this sort of like the enabling of a a soft American Christianity that allowed you to to spiritualize it just enough that you felt Christian without having any real devotion to to God mm-hmm. behind that. So it was just enough. And we, I mean, and so I, I, I really hated all of it for that reason that I was allowed to grow up and partake in all of this stuff and kind of acknowledge Jesus is the reason for the season, whatever, and feel like I was kind of just an okay, normal American Christian. Um, and that was just sort of, that, that's just what we all are. And, right. and without having any real pressure to live a life devoted to God. And I really resented then the preachers at, you know, at the Christmas and in Easter services that we went to for just giving us warm fuzzies and not sort of blowing up that kind of cultural Christianity stuff, you know, Americanism stuff for, for me earlier, for my family. And so I definitely then spent some time, I think, being something of an iconoclast about, about all the traditions around Christmas because they were just in the way of God and of Jesus. And then it came back around, so. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm just on my island of <laughs> Christmas curmudgeonliness. 
all by myself. I should say, in my defense, or maybe, I don't know if this is in my defense or not, but I, I, I did like... I mean, I did look forward to decorating the tree and some of the that kind of stuff. But I just always remember, as 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 early as I can remember, I can say I'm sure when I was five, I enjoyed it. But I just remember once I sort of achieved self-awareness, once I achieved sentience as a human being, just always kind of being aware of the fact that people don't actually like each other. They don't actually feel this way. Things are not as good as we're pretending. And so we're playing make-believe a little bit. So so I could kind of actually was in a weird, twisted way, perhaps I was okay with playing make-believe for putting the ornaments up. But when it came time to do the devotions and to become very, in my mind, super spiritual about it and try and say that there was something particularly special or holy about it, you know, anytime there was any sort of sanctified sheen to it, I just wanted to spit that out as early mm. as I can remember having mm. any sort of critical self-awareness, which is pretty young. Yeah, I mean... Hmm. I mean, I wasn't a monster. Maybe I was ma- a monster. Maybe the closest I did come to that would be every Christmas Eve we would... Dad would read was the night before Christmas and uh, Luke 2 and King James. And maybe that's the reading of Luke 2 and King James, especially as I got older, was where I, I more and more wanted to push up against that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always... And folks, we're going to spend... the. This is our first episode on Christmas. We're going to spend the next four episodes dealing with a lot of the baggage that comes with the fact that we live in a broken world, and yet here's Christmas. But we are pro-Christmas, and today we're talking about traditions. So let's... Uh, what do we do with traditions? Christmas traditions. Guys, what's 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 the what's the actual response somewhere between Grinch Nathan and uh, <laughs> that who down in Whoville over there? <laughs> well, ben, <laughs> we haven't heard all of my baggage, but maybe we'll leave some of it for a later time. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> We've got a lot of Christmas episodes to go and a lot of Christmas baggage to work through this season, oh, fellas. <laughs> ben, you're a who for the purposes of this episode and right. Nathan's Fine. the Grinch. Right. For the purposes of this episode, and that's basically what what it comes down yeah. to, right? You've got like, yay tradition, it's the best, and you've got <laughs> right, boo tradition is the worst. Ben with his traditions liked Christmas a lot. Nathan with his traditions did not. <laughs> <laughs> poetry, <laughs> Christmas poetry. <laughs> well, how have people? How have uh, Christians traditionally uh, dealt with this tension? Well. <laughs> You got some insight for us, Ben? Uh, I have. I'm drowning in a flood of facts, Nathan. Drowning in a flood of facts. All right. <laughs> we can throw you a life preserver. Oh, good. Start, start swimming your way through them. Please. Christmas, some have argued, came from a Roman festival to the god Saturn called Saturnalia. Some historians, secular historians, mind you, would say, well, what we call Christmas isn't really from Saturnalia. It's probably from this other... <laughs> Roman pagan, <laughs> Roman pagan holiday. <laughs> okay, well, um, I'm glad we got that sorted out. Yeah, yeah, isn't that handy? Mm-hmm. Called uh, <laughs> the festival of Dies Natalis Solis Invicti, birthday of the unconquered sun. Birthday of the oh. yeah, you know, because the sun rises again, and so it's like a cyclical festival. The so 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 there's that stuff, and then you get into well, Christ. That's Christmas. Christ mass. It's a mass. It's a Roman Catholic mass to Christ and his birth. And we we're Protestants. We don't celebrate the Mass. We do not. We're not we're not into that stuff. Nope. So why do we have Christ Mass? And then you realize that as the good Presbyterians we all are. Am I right, Nathan? We're right. Oh yeah, but <laughs> all right. oh, yeah, buddy. 
there's a long-standing tradition among stolid, staunch Presbyterians uh, that says, you know what, it is absolutely wrong for the church to try and appoint holy days or holidays, because the church just can't do that. God has not appointed any kind of holy day for, let's say, the resurrection of Jesus, like Easter, or the birth of Jesus, like Christmas, or for that matter, anything. And so the church has no right to bind anyone's conscience by having services of public worship on that day Mm. as though it were something that needed to be celebrated by Christians. So if you want to celebrate it in the privacy of your own home, uh, okay, fine, go right ahead. Just know that you're teaching your kids all kinds of things that may not be useful, like materialism, and well, anyway, maybe we'll get to that later, but... You're telling me, Ben, that there are staunch, stolid Presbyterians, SSPs, that... That's what I'm telling you, Nathan. ...have actually come out against Christmas? They've been doing it for hundreds of years years? with the same arguments. Oh, no. Talking about a long tradition of of men who probably a lot of our listeners have read, various Puritans, various Presbyterian ministers, various guys who signed the Westminster Standards. If we go a little further back in history, we can get some helpful, a little bit of help. Maybe not much, though. Martin Luther, while he was absolutely opposed to uh, the Feast of St. Nicholas and any other Roman Catholic feast or fast in the liturgical calendar, he did give gifts to his family, his kids on Christmas. He would tell them that the gifts were from Christ. And he wrote Christmas carols. And that's what they are. They're Christmas carols. Did he, in fact, cut down the first Christmas tree? That seems to be an unsubstantiated legend. An unsubstantiated legend. (laughs) Christmas tree, there's some... That's another discussion that, man, we could just plant that discussion and watch it Watch it grow, Nathan, Watch it blossom into, into podcast success, tree. yes. And then we could ornament it with our discussion. Sorry about that. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's another huge discussion. Um, I don't think he did. Calvin? John Calvin, the great John Calvin. John Calvin was more... Jake Menzel, a big hero, uh, hero of his, is the great John Calvin. True Jake story. Menzel, a big, a big hero of John Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, if Calvin was alive that. today. <laughs> I did not know that. There's a little, there's excerpts from John Calvin's letters, where Calvin is trying to deal with things a little more diplomatically in Geneva, mm-hmm. and he's talking about how, how the city council had abolished all the feast days, the Roman Catholic feast days. What an uproar that had caused in the city, and Calvin said, oh, this was done without consulting me, and I, since my recall... So he got kicked um, out of Geneva and then came back. And then came back, So he yeah, came so, back. So this is his recall. Mm-hmm. Since my recall, I have pursued the moderate course of keeping Christ's birthday as you are wont to do. Want, W-O-N-T, listener. Mm-hmm. Not W-A-N-T. Yeah, and so what he seems to mean is you just let people keep it in some way. And I don't, I don't, I don't get the impression he's talking about holding church services even on Christmas Day. Oh, oh, no, actually, wait a minute. Here's an excerpt from letter two. This is interesting. He talks about his earlier writing, and he, he says, I declare that a church is not to be despised or condemned because it observes more festival days than the others. So a church observing festival days. He seems to be leaving it to the discretion of the conscience of the pastor and the people of a church to do that, to celebrate a festival day or not. So that would include Christmas. And this is not like an overwhelming support of Christmas. But it's way more than you get with, say, the Westminster folks, the Puritans, the Presbyterians. It's because Calvin's a pastor. Not trying to say the other guys weren't, but Calvin's always, and you see this all over the place in Calvin, he's always just willing to step back. He had a principle of caring for people and and for the unity of the church. 
that superseded a lot of of other principles that people are get down downstream from Calvin who claim Calvin's heritage plant their flag on and they would maybe say that Calvin was weak or inconsistent and Calvin would say, no, I'm just trying to preserve the peace and unity of the church and make space for people to, to exercise their consciences and to grow. And they'd say, well, no, you're a weak, unprincipled man at these points and you should have just gone all the way. Yeah, well, and it's what's certainly true is that in America, even though Presbyterians and their pastors, well, let's just say Presbyterian pastors from the beginning have been opposed to Christmas as some kind of holiday involving church services, but it did not remain in their control. People liked Christmas. A number of the pastors liked Christmas, and even if their church said, no, you can't have a Christmas service, they might still be going other places to celebrate, and they might do a lot in their own home. There was so much widespread acceptance of Christmas that grew in America that a lot of Presbyterian pastors just gave up. I mean, I grew up Presbyterian, and I did not ever grow up hearing anything, any of this stuff that's, I mean, there's there's tons of arguments you can read. There's tons of writing. I didn't hear, I didn't grow up reading any of it directed against Christmas. The pastors didn't tell me that I shouldn't be there in their church <laughs> celebrating Christmas as a worship service. And it, so here we are, and you and you have a lot of folks who will call back to that tradition and say, we are in a bad state because we've abandoned our principles of what the church can and can't do about worship. The people are celebrating something with idolatrous roots that's still leading them into idolatry, and that's Christmas. And some of them are a little gentler about observing it at home, maybe most of them these days, but none of them have much patience for a Christmas service because that... That's more than we even have time to get into. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a real discussion, though, and you can find a lot of, if you, if you go on the Google, you can find a lot of fun and interesting quotes from some of your heroes of the faith, some of them very grouchy and grinchy about Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should, I mean, they are our fathers in the faith. I should be more respectful than that. But you can find uh, Charles Spurgeon is a fun one. He has some uh, very right. strong... Uh, that was the one I meant to look up that I didn't. That's okay. I got lost. There's only so much. There's almost. There's only so much research we can do for you, folks. You've got Google. You can. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Wherever you fall, it's interesting to read what some of the Puritans said, what some of these guys said, and um, yeah. But what's the response, Jake? There are heroes on both sides, as as the great George Lucas wrote in one of his uh, <laughs> little thing scrolls. Um, <laughs> well, beginning of Star Wars. If you look at my case. Probably a lot of the heroes that would warn against these feast days would look at me and say, yep, that's exactly the result that we're trying to trying to prevent here is people... Just mixing and matching cultural stuff and sacred stuff and doing what they want. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's the regulative principle of, wor- of worship that they're ultimately pulling into their corner, but... The regulative principle of worship means... You, you only do in worship and for worship those things that are explicitly commanded mm-hmm. in Scripture. That's the principle. And since no feast day or festival or anything is commanded for the celebration of Christ's birth, then we don't have that. And wherever you have anything outside of what's explicitly commanded, you have idolatry, strange fire, reference to Nadab and Abihu, offering an unregulated sacrifice 
to the Lord and being struck dead for it. God doesn't want your sa- the sacrifices he didn't command. But more prosaically, you're going to end up with uh, Jake Menzel celebrating his little American Christmas to his little American Jesus that doesn't have a lot to do with real Jesus. And, and you're going to have twisted cynics like Nathan seeing the whole thing for the shroud it is and being tempted to just spit good faithful things out of their mouth because they're oppressed by the idolatry of it. Yeah, and so where do you want to, where do we land? How do we deal with that? The way that I've I've navigated it has sort of been by coming full circle. What's the quote? The invalid use of something doesn't negate the proper use? Yes. Mm-hmm. The invalid use of something doesn't negate the proper use of it. And the, the fact is, uh, traditions are, traditions can be helpful. Maybe the place to start is by saying that traditions are somewhat inescapable. So traditions are inevitable, going to have them one way or another, and they have a good and necessary place in families and in churches. And so the only question, I think, is are your traditions good and are they in service of the right things? So um, there are a lot of really great Christmas traditions. Even the fact of setting aside a time of the year to focus on Jesus became a man, is that not worthy of setting aside a time of the year and can't? a church or people or a group of people all agree that we're going to set aside this time of the year and that's what we're going to, we're going to focus on uh, the fact that Jesus came and was born as a man. We're going to celebrate that. I mean, really, if you're planning a worship service every Sunday, you have to decide what you're going to leave out and what you're going to, you can't read the whole Bible every Sunday. That's right. You got to pick something and who's to say you can't uh, decide to set up a calendar or to a liturgical calendar or to Ben's got all these arguments he's been reading in his head, all the responses to me. <laughs> it, it set, but set up traditions that honor Jesus and, and help equip uh, your church and you as parents to to teach children. It's yeah. I think it's a, a good, fun, and, and sweet and helpful discipline when used rightly. What, what I've been working to do in my own home. And what we've done as a church is we've tried to keep Christmas and... But you don't keep it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a setup. (laughs) Um, But keep it in all the traditions associated with it in their proper place, which is as as good tools. Mm Mm-hmm. There we good, go. Good servants yeah. and, and bad masters. Good servants, as, I, as, as you as said, many, 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 said. many time on our social media episode not too long ago. <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. But, <laughs> it's uh, a good tool. It's a bad master. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, we're so happy that we could solve this problem for you. Um, you're welcome. And uh, traditions. Traditions. Sound of Sanity was produced by Nathan Alverson. It was executive produced. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. That is... That is unexpected. Not the jingling of Christmas bells right <laughs> <No>. here. <laughs> that is the, the devil's advocacy alarm. The DAA just uh, interrupt. I thought we were gonna be. I thought this was gonna be a short episode. We were gonna be able to get out of here early. But all right, I guess uh, the devil's advocacy alarm is going off. I think my elevated heart rate must have triggered it. <laughs> all the things I didn't get to say in response to. to Jake's yeah, the fun fact about the devil's advocacy alarm is actually hooked up to. We have a heart monitor hooked up to Ben, and anytime his uh, <laughs> blood pressure gets above a certain level. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's advocacy alarm actually goes off, and uh, we have to actually deal with uh, the tension. So the devil's advocacy alarm, this is your first time listening to the show. This is the part of the show where someone has to play the devil's advocate and argue for the opposite position to help uh, uh, us perfect our argument, to uh, provide necessary correctives and all that sort of thing. So uh, who's going to do it? I'm gonna. You know. uh, I'm, I'm going to jacuse myself. I'm just too much of a Grinch. I don't. It, it needs to be. Uh, needs to be some, a more sanctified individual than myself. I no. think. Who do we have like that? It's, no, it's not me. Well, no, you're just an all-American. You know, 
It might be me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to doff your, or to put on your, your Christmas hat, your Santa Claus hat, and, um, or no, take it off. There we go, doff. doff. your hat, throw right. it on the ground. And yes. Trail. All right, Ben, what do you want to say to Jake? I saw, well, I saw you locking and loading while, yeah. while he was talking. I was locking and loading. And by locking and loading, I mean I saw Ben literally <laughs> put his hands in the gesture of someone cocking a shotgun. <laughs> was, that's true. I did it. So go ahead. Aim both those barrels directly in the face of Mr. Tradition over here. And here well, yep. Mr. Tradition, the problem is that uh, you're still not dealing with the implication of what you what you all the regulative principle what presbyterians call the regulative principle so if if you if you're not allowed to prescribe a holy day how are you just saying well we can just because we can we can just make a calendar and we'll do it and then you know you're just ignoring the whole history of this stuff which is that well here we go listeners the roman catholic church bound men's consciences to their feasts and fasts as part of their system of man-made righteousness it's what it's what protestants like to call will worship. That is, like, I made it up out of my human will because I wanted to, and it seems to serve my purposes. Did God command it? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> the Roman Catholics, of course, would say, well, the church just has authority to do that. And we say, no, it doesn't. The Bible has authority to govern everything the church does or does not do. And the Bible does not give the church the authority to bind men's consciences to any particular holiday. You want to make an argument for the Lord's Day as a Christian Sabbath, I'm right there with you. You want to make an argument for Christmas as a time we should celebrate Christ's birth? You mean like the rest of the year when we shouldn't celebrate Christ's birth? And that brings up another thing, which is that you teach people to think cyclically about this stuff, like Christ's birth. Like it's this, it is this, it becomes this, this special time of year where it's like I heard in a sermon once in an Episcopal church. I'm just knocking all the other churches today, listener. That's just what we're doing. But it's like a sermon I heard once where the Episcopal church, this guy was telling me that this sanctuary, the actual church building, was a thin place where you could reach and touch God. And, and the implication, I think, in the sermon was that the day, too, was a thin place where you could reach out and you could feel, you know, the God, God, and you could get in touch with him. And, and it's like you're just training your kids to feel like Christmas is one of those thin places when you can reach through and you can touch God. Other Sundays are just like you're being forced to go to church, but Christmas, oh man, that's great because it's Christ's birth and that's important and that makes this time of year important and other times of year are kind of drab. And then you can do the same thing with Easter, but Christmas is worse. And, and, so, and so you do end up binding people's consciences, even if you say you're not. You're certainly training their spirits and their hearts towards a way of regarding holy days, which... We just, we don't have in the Bible, you know, there were holy days, festivals that God commanded specifically, done away in Christ. You know, and if you want to keep Christmas in your home, fine. Romans says, one man considers one day more special than the other, he should be convinced. Well, okay, so you're convinced. So celebrate Christmas in your own home with your kids. But don't tell me that that you're somehow going to have a service at your church. And the people aren't going to get trained to think in a way that's not biblical uh, about a service of public worship that's not commanded because you're setting apart this day. You don't have the authority to do that. And by the way, when you end up doing that in the church, it filters down into the home such that little Nathan actually does feel oppressed by the conviction of his conscience that Christmas has to be holy, it has to be sanctified in a different way, 
We've got to hit these marks. We've got to reach through that thin HP Lovecraft-like portal and (laughs) touch what is holy during Christmas. And if we haven't done that, then we can't get to the presents. So there's the carrot on the end of the stick, but (laughs) the the place that we have to get to is is through all these almost Roman Catholic-like things that we have to hit because that's how our conscience is bound. We must, before we can, our presence can be sanctified, which we all know we secretly want the presence, but but that's just the reward. Before we can get to them, we must uh, sanctify it by performing our ritual act of service that the church has prescribed to us. And it's not like the church has said, you must follow this Advent calendar. The church has said, you must do this or that. But the church has created an environment where we feel like we kind of have to do this or that. And so if we don't do this or that, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah. And we have to feel pressure and we have to feel bad. And and it's, it is a little ironic that some Presbyterians are all about the recovery of the liturgical calendar, where it was like a principle of their doctrine, like a principle point that you totally oppose the liturgical calendar, which the Roman Catholic Church had promoted. So here we are, full circle, I guess. Down with Christmas! Down with Christmas! (laughs) Who's with me? Anybody? (laughs) Anyone who celebrates Christmas, Jake? Should be uh, uh, buried with a boiled, of, boiled in his own pudding, and buried with a hock of holly through his heart. Indeed, that's what the what did we call him? The staunch, stolid. The, that, that's what the SSPs would say, and that's what we're here <laughs> to say to you today. All right, I'm glad we could get that dealt with. All right, on the show. Boom. <laughs> I hope you didn't buy too many Christmas gifts because by now you probably feel pretty bad, yeah. don't you? Hopefully, you, you got that return that return policy. Yep. <laughs> the receipt kept your receipt is what I mean. Pretty deep hole that got It's a there. really deep hole, guys. <laughs> I think it's a fair hole, though. I mean, it, okay. Here's the reality that we that we have. It, it's not that dissimilar from the reality uh, in the time of Calvin. Calvin was a pastor. He was a shepherd, and he looked around him and he said, "The whole world celebrates the birth of Jesus at this time of year. I don't want to make a principle of telling people they can't celebrate the birth of Jesus at this time of year. I don't want to do that." when the whole world is doing that. What I want to do is give people the freedom to take it or leave it. And if they see it's to their advantage as a church to take that opportunity to take it. And here's the reality. We live in a world, in a country that for better or worse comes together around December 25th and it's a big deal. And I want churches to have the freedom to take advantage of that. And I want families to have the freedom to take advantage of that. And what you're actually doing is binding men's consciences with your iconoclasm saying they can't do that. In a culture that everybody is talking, everybody's talking about Jesus, everybody's talking about Jesus' birth, everybody's perverting it. And to say to a church, you can't at this time of year take this thing that has become corrupt and a perversion of the gospel and use it to clarify and to call men to faithfulness to Jesus Christ and to equip families to know what's true about Jesus and Jesus' birth, that's just as binding of men's consciences. And churches and pastors who want to shepherd real alive people, it's just as, it's just as binding and destructive. That's what I want to say. And so I don't want to tell people they can't not, that, that, they, that, they can, uh, that, that they have to celebrate Christmas. I don't want to tell churches that they have to celebrate Christmas. I want to tell churches and pastors and families they're free to. All throughout Scripture and the history of the church, including our Presbyterian 
fathers, they have special times where they call for fasting and days of repentance. That's true. That's true, but it's, it's also true that they cautioned against doing that at the same time every year, creating a regular... Yeah, 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 yeah. But guess what? We have something. We have a culture. We live in a culture... And here's the thing that drives me crazy is like, we, li- we, can't, we can't pretend we don't live in the world that we live in, right? Right? Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay right. right. But, yeah. Listen, we live in, a, in this place called America, okay? And in America, everybody celebrates Christmas. Jews celebrate Christmas. I, I, I knew Jewish families. They didn't, they like, look, people celebrate Christmas who know nothing about Jesus. Don't go binding people's consciences about how they can talk to people and when they can talk to people and when they can and can't address people or when and when they can't call a special service to address something that is clearly, I mean, how stupid would it be? I had, I had this fight with people on, on Twitter not too long ago. What was it? What was the, what was the occasion? It, was, uh, it wasn't Reformation Day, which, by the way, all Presbyterians today seem to celebrate. Mm-hmm. We just had the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Oh, we can make a feast day for Martin Luther, but we can't make a feast day for the birth of Jesus. Okay, that's not hypocrisy. But there was another thing. Nathan, do you remember what it was? I'm not remembering what you're talking about. Um, what was the, who was it? What was the... I was, I was talking about, I, I wasn't the 4th of July, but it was something like that. It was like, oh, it was Mother's Day or Father's Day. That's what it was. I got I I got in fights uh, with people on on Twitter about whether or not our church service did anything on Mother's Day or Father's Day. Of course, their principle was it's a cultural holiday, man. That's like a cultural holy day. We're not to have holy days, and we're not to whatever. And what I want, what I said to people is, hello, this is a day where everybody in the world we actually live in sets apart time to honor their mothers or their fathers, and every mother in your church on Mother Day is. Feeling in every father and every fatherless child or motherless child, everybody's feeling pressure about motherhood or about fatherhood. And so you're going to make a principle of closing your eyes and, well, this week we're talking about, you know, whatever is next. We're not going to just, that's just pastorally insensitive and stupid, foolish. You have this golden opportunity in a culture that rejects. God's design for sexuality rejects motherhood, rejects fatherhood. Now everybody's going to have a, their holy day to talk about fatherhood and motherhood, and you're, you're going to make a principle of that's the one day you're going to not address it in the pulpit. That's foolish and stupid. And I think the same thing can be said about Christmas. And so it's not so much for me a principle of we have to celebrate Christmas because we have to have our holy days and we have to have our liturgical calendar or whatever. Like, I think there are defenses of that sort of thing that we can make, but to just decide that because we have a spiritual principle, we're going to ignore all of the realities that everybody around us, all of our neighbors are facing and dealing with. We're going to pretend like none of that's real and none of that matters because we're good Presbyterians. What, what world do you live in? Okay, you need to go find a new world, get in a boat, name it the Mayflower, go find a new world and set up a new society where none of those things are real or true. And once you've done that, then you can pretend like Christmas isn't a thing. Until you've done that, you have to reckon with the fact that you live in a world where Christmas is a thing. And begin to to see some of the beauty of it, actually. And I, we're going to talk about this more in our next episode, okay? But there's something really beautiful about the fact that a, a world full of pagans 
come together to pay lip service to King Jesus. Well, yeah, using using uh, using idolatrous. Um, Are you really going to keep up being a devil? <laughs> I kind of want to. I don't know that I should. Um, what you're saying is good. The pro- it's just it is just such a big thing that this opens up. Yeah, there's a lot of people that actually will feel the pressure here. Oh yeah, yeah. I no, I don't. I, I mean, I like what you're saying. Um, the one question I want to ask is, well, this may not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can feel this. So, Jake, wait, are you saying that, like, even if we just called Christmas Saturnalia and we just bought into the idea, which it seems is kind of discredited, that uh, what we call Christmas is just a, a Christianized repackaging? Syncretism! Isn't that a great word, listener? Syncretism. Let that sink into your ears. A syncretistic repackaging of a pagan holiday with Christmas elements. Even if, it, even if we just said, this is Saturnalia, December 25th, even then, do you think your argument would still apply? Yes. I kind of want to say yes. <laughs> Why is that a question? What I think is when a good missionary goes into a culture, let's let's give this hypothetical missionary a name. We'll call him Paul. And uh, let's give this hypothetical culture a, a location. We'll call it Athens. And when a, when a good missionary goes into a culture, he addresses the gods. He addresses the idols that he sees. And so I'm not saying that Christians should celebrate then the festivals of the idols where they where they live. What I am saying is that whenever there's a festival of the idols, if that's what you're asking, then yeah, that's a great opportunity for a pastor, a missionary, to hold up the one true God in contrast to the idols. When you live in a culture that has mixed and mingled Christianity and idolatry, you deal with it. And I understand that, that the counter-argument is the way that you deal with it is by trashing it all. And ignoring all of it. Because it all has connotations of idolatry. Right. I get that that's the counter-argument, but I'm not willing to grant the counter-argument because what I would rather see and what I think, you know, maybe it just goes back to being a kid who walked in to churches on these days. What I don't wish is that there was no occasion for me to walk into a church. What I do wish is that on the occasion that I was going to walk into a church, somebody would have smacked me with the truth. Mm-hmm. I was ripe. I was ready. Because of the cultural heritage we have, lots of people are. And because of exactly the kind of baggage Nathan brings to it, actually they are, mm-hmm. to hear the real thing. They're ripe and ready to hear the real thing. They want to tear it down. The, the right things need to be torn down, and they need to be replaced with, with the right things. Well, what I think we should do, what I'm ready to do, is end this episode on a cliffhanger, guys. Because what we've begun to deal with is the commingling of Christianity with idolatry in Christmas. But we haven't really begun to talk about that, have we? That's right. <laughs> so I think we're going to, it's just going to take a whole nother episode just what? to get through that. <laughs> oh, man. So join us next time, folks, for part two of our discussion on Christmas. We're going to leave you hanging. You can spend all week thinking about the regulative principle, maybe looking up what the regulative principle is if you want to. If you're not familiar with the old uh, the, old, the old RP, the regulative principle. You see what John Calvin says, so see what Spurgeon uh, said. He's got some fun quotes, like I said. It's worth just like, just, just Google Charles Spurgeon Christmas, and you'll find some choice words, and you can maybe see what Charles Dickens said of him, just for, just for kids. You know, um, <laughs> lots of good people with lots of interesting. 
interesting opinions about Christmas. We're going to come back next week for the uh, the tradition that we're starting, which is great podcasts <laughs> all year round. <laughs> all right, guys, let's 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 play a quick uh, game of alphabet traditions. We're going to go through. We're going to name Christmas traditions. Can I be A? <laughs> go ahead. Advent. Bacala. What? What is? What? Calendars. Decorations. Food. What about E? <laughs> you can skip right over E. Uh, everything. <laughs> Food. Games. Uh, holy days. Oh, E should have been eggnog. Okay, just Holly. To say that. Oh yeah, Holly. Holly. There we go. Uh, Ivy. Uh, Ivy. You do Ivy. Just saying. Irish whiskey. My husband killed me. Uh, joy. Uh, joy. <laughs> joy is your Christmas tradition? Yeah. Uh, H-I-J. What? Cl- uh, cl- what? Kwanzaa! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man. <laughs> I stink at this game. <laughs> <laughs> what letter are you on? L. 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 Loser. Ben is the loser, loser of this game. I got it. Yay. Thanks for listening to The Sound of Sanity, everybody. It was produced by Nathan Alverson, executive produced like all fine Warhorn products by Nathan Alverson, Jacob Munsell. Hey, I should stop and say, if you love the work we're doing with Warhorn Media, you can make an end-of-year tax-deductible donation. Just go to warhornmedia.com. There's a big old give button. Uh, we'd love to take your money for Christmas, right? That's right. Yeah, we... we uh we're hoping to end the year strong and uh, be able to bring even more great Warhorn content uh, in 2018. Uh, but to do that, we need your help. So yep. please go give support. A couple other things for you guys. Uh, we are in the middle of uh, the first season of Monumental, a small show about the big things God has done in the lives of ordinary people. Indeed. Be sure that you check that out. Give it a listen and uh, rate and review it. Some You'll great love it. testimonies by women talking about the, the the big things that God has done in their lives, the things they want to remember, the things they want to tell their grandchildren. Just a good a good show. Listen to it. Yeah, and one last thing. If you are uh, feeling in the Christmas spirit and wish that there was such a thing as good Christi- Christmas music out there to listen to, we might have just the thing for you. If you like the song at the top of the show, if you like the song that we're about to end with, those are by the Good Shepherd Band. They have two Christmas albums, right, Jake? That's right. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the Good Shepherd Band is sort of a previous Basically incarnation my of My Soul Among Lions, mm-hmm. but bigger and louder and um, more ruckus. A little more pop, a little less folk. That's but right. uh, still a lot. If you like My Soul Among Lions, I think you might like this. Uh, it's 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 a wonderful, some of my favorite Christmas music. And I don't just say Mine that because I've got a product to sell. I really do love these and I encourage you to check them out. Yeah, two albums, two Christmas albums. One's Repeat the Sounding Joy. The other is All the Bell Shall Ring. Yeah, and the first one has maybe my favorite version of Joy to the World ever. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Really awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's like 11 minutes long. Epic. Epic version of Joy it's to the like World. Philip Glass plus... <laughs> That's yeah. right. Philip Glass Plus meets, I don't know uh, what. meets uh, Coldplay, if you're lame. Oh, um, no. But it's great. Better than Coldplay? Arguably not as good as Philip Glass, but somewhere <laughs> in that spectrum. Um, Certainly not as long as Philip Glass. <laughs> yeah, we do appreciate your support, and we appreciate you uh, checking out these awesome Warhorn products. Thanks for listening today, everyone. We'll be back next week to talk more about uh, the fine season of Christmas, or is it? Uh, like, I, like I was saying before, Christmas, this, this out, Christmas, yeah, Christmas was produced by Nathan Alberson. It was executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jacob Menzel. And like, well, fine, Warren, oh, man. <laughs> um, it's engineered by Benjamin Solzer. 
Engineered by Benjamin Solzer, produced by me, and executive produced by me and Jake, like all fine Warhorn products. Hey, until next time, folks, stay sane. Stay sane.